0: If you have your Bible this morning, let me encourage you to turn to Luke chapter number 24, Luke chapter 24. We're going to read uh, the first eight verses. I have often tried to visualize in my own head that first Easter morning. Uh, The disciples were in hiding. They were scared. They were nervous. Uh, But Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joanna, uh, they were going to the tomb with spices to anoint him. John chapter 20 tells us that they they were weeping. They were sad. Now, Jesus had told everyone that he was going to die and that he was going to raise from the dead, but it just seemed to land on deaf ears. No one seemed to hear him. Let's look at Luke chapter 24. We'll read the first eight verses there. The Bible says, Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away, from the sepulcher, and they entered in, and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid, and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you, When he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered under the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Verse 8 says, And they remembered his words. The title of the sermon this morning, this Easter morning, is this. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And we have much to celebrate uh, for today. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you take uh, the message this morning. And Lord, would you encourage the saved? on a, uh, during this time of great discouragement lord cabin fever is setting in people are ready to get back to things as normal and uh, we're ready to put these last few nightmarish weeks behind us and uh, lord fear has seemed to grip and captivate the heart of many and lord uh, we long for the day where there are no more viruses there is no more sickness and death and lord we live in peace forever with you Lord, we pray the sermon today would be a great encouragement to, uh, to everyone uh, listening in that is saved. And then, Lord, for the lost, while we want the message to encourage them, those who have not yet put their faith and trust in, in you alone for salvation, Lord, we pray today would be the entrance of a new family for them, a, a time where they're born anew, their sins are forgiven, expunged off their record. And, Lord, they believe in the power of the resurrection for their own salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we look back at verse number 8 of Luke 24, and the verse says this, They remembered his words. They remembered his words. Jesus had told them over and over and over again prior uh, to, to being arrested and crucified and buried that he was going to be arrested, he was going to be uh, killed, he was going to be laid in a tomb, and he was going to rise again. And it just didn't seem to matter. They just didn't seem to listen. They just didn't seem to care. And why? Because they had other aspirations for Jesus. They wanted Jesus to be who they wanted him to be. They wanted him to be a political revolutionary. They wanted him to lead Israel back into prominence again. And they, uh, they ignored his message because they were amplifying their own message. And then when the Two men, the two angels there at the tomb told the ladies, He is risen from the dead. Then they remembered His words. Sometimes people have a religious tradition that was without His word. And I just want to say here at the very beginning is that all that matters, all that matters are the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ that's all that matter. In fact, uh, the Bible calls itself the written word. And we know that Jesus is the living word and Jesus is all that matters. And we need to pay attention to his words, not what some religious leader tells us, not what some uh, um, self-proclaimed deity uh, seems to want to tell us. My friend, the Bible, where it speaks, we should listen. And where it doesn't speak, uh, we should be very, very careful. And where it contradicts the bible we should out and out reject it you see romans chapter 10 verse 17 says so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of god i heard about a guy who had put his faith in fortune cookies one day uh, he opened a fortune cookie that read this it said you are a poor pathetic gullible fool who seeks advice from bakery products Uh, You have to be careful where you put your faith. You have to be careful about taking the numbers on the back of a fortune cookie and using that to hope you hit it all. And uh, listen, where we put our faith matters. And we should put our faith in the Bible and God's word alone. I propose to you that we can put our faith in Jesus because Jesus is God. He left heaven's throne. He became one of us, robing himself in flesh. During his ministry, he loved the unlovable. He served the unfortunate and taught that the greatest among us must be the servant of all. Jesus was not just a good man. He was not just one of many prophets that Israel had. He proved to be greater than all of these. How? When they took his life from him, he rose up from the dead. And he, 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 he became the greatest by being the servant of all. He rose up from the dead. This Easter, we are reminded that Jesus is Alive. Jesus is alive. This morning we're going to look at two great truths from God's word uh, that none of us should ignore. Point number one of the message this morning is this. Jesus is our redeemer. Jesus is our redeemer. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 7, the Bible tells us this. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Have you ever messed up? You ever made a mistake in a relationship and had someone who was just really put out with you and uh, really upset with you and you wondered if they were ever going to give you a second chance and you wondered if there was ever going to be uh, the opportunity to get back in their good graces and all you wanted was for them to give you a chance to redeem yourself. You wanted a chance to come around and be redeemed and my friend Humanity blew it a long time ago. Humanity has stepped into sin and we need help. We need redemption. And that's exactly what Jesus brings to us is redemption. Letter A, we notice the need for redemption. Why did Jesus shed His blood? Because there was a need for redemption. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 tells us about how humanity got off on the wrong foot. It says wherefore as by one man, this is speaking of Adam, by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. You see Adam and Eve were created uh, perfect. They were created with uh, perfect blood running in their veins. And the day they chose to rebel, the day they chose to eat that fruit, the day they chose to do wrong, they tainted their sin. They brought a sin curse upon them. Their moral gene was altered by that false choice. And here we are some several thousand years later, and that sin gene has been passed down generation by generation by generation. We are not on good footing with God because of our sin gene. In fact, Romans chapter six, verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. There's a lot of talk right now going on in our government about wages. There's a lot of talk going on right now about uh, people being out of work and uh, filing for unemployment and uh, uh, people are afraid of how they're going to pay their bills and that is a very real concern that many people have. Can I tell you there is a wage that we earn upon ourselves not from working a job. There's a wage we earn upon ourselves because of the sin that we compile. The sin that we give up to our God every day. There's a paycheck coming my friend and the Bible says that that paycheck for our Sin is death. That word death in the Bible in every instance means separation. And God does not want to look upon us with our sin. God wants nothing to do with us because of our sin. He has rejected us. But please understand that at the heart of Jesus is the redemption of all people. I think back to the time when Jesus walked the earth and the Pharisees wanted to rain down condemnation and rain down Pain And rain down consequences when other people were caught breaking the Mosaic law. I think about the woman that was caught in adultery, and she was brought by the Sadducees and thrown down in front of Jesus. And 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 uh, and and Jesus, after he was able to dismiss away uh, the other men, he looked at the woman and said, uh, "Where are thy accusers?" And she said, "There aren't any." And Jesus looked at her and said, "Neither do I accuse thee. Go." and sin no more you know what jesus did for this woman he redeemed her he gave her new life he gave her a second chance how about zacchaeus zacchaeus the bible tells us was a publican and he was a short little man as the zac as the song goes he was a wee little man and a wee little man was he And he climbed up in that sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And the the crowds were pressing on Jesus. And because of his height, he couldn't see Jesus. And so he climbs up in a sycamore tree just so he can get a glimpse of Jesus when he came by. I believe that Zacchaeus was a rich man being a tax collector. But he was a poor man in that he didn't have any friends. You see, people avoided publicans. They let publicans be to themselves and all their money. And uh, Jesus stopped the crowd. He looked up in the tree, and he called Zacchaeus by name. He said, Zacchaeus, I want you to come down. I'm going to spend time with you today. Zacchae- Jesus sent the crowds away, and he took Zacchaeus to him. Uh, society had rejected him. Society wanted nothing to do with him, but Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I still believe in you and I want to give you another chance. Jesus spent time with Zacchaeus that day. Zacchaeus put his faith and trust in Jesus uh, to be his savior. And then Zacchaeus returned all that he stole and gave plenty more back on top of that. Why? Because Jesus, at his heart, wants to redeem sinners. How about the blind man named Bartimaeus? Jesus said in Mark ten fifty two, he said, go thy way, thy faith, thy faith. Hath made thee whole, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Sin, the sin gene, had brought blindness into Bartimaeus's life, but uh, the faith in Bartimaeus's life caused the Lord to physically redeem him and give him his sight again. How about the woman at the well? Who came to Jesus and and Jesus asked her for water. And the conversation led one thing to another. Come to find out, this woman had been in and out of five different marriages. And the man she was living with, she wasn't even married to. And Jesus says to her in John 4.10, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him. And he would have given thee living water. Jesus said this, he said, He said, we he said, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me to forgive you. And Jesus did eventually forgive her. Why? Jesus did not come into this world to condemn the world. He came in this world to save sinners, to save sinners. Boy, for Jesus to save you, you must first admit that you're lost in your sin. You see, you cannot guide someone to safety unless they admit they're lost. You cannot forgive someone uh, uh, unless they have, you can't truly uh, bring reconciliation to a cause unless someone has admitted they've done wrong. Now, we all need forgiveness there are two brothers who were getting ready to boil some eggs they're sitting there with um, a dozen eggs in front of them raw eggs and the older brother uh, being a little more sly than his gullible little brother he said to him he said I'll give you a dollar the older brother said to his little brother I'll give you a dollar if you let me break three eggs over your head Uh, the the little brother said do you promise he said oh I promise and so um, gleefully the older brother broke two eggs over the brother's head and standing stiff for fear of the gooey mess that would get all over him. The little brother asked, well, well when is the third egg coming? The older brother replied, it's not. Uh, that would cost me a dollar. <laughs> so everyone needs forgiveness. And I'm sure as they grew up, they saw the need uh, to forgive. Letter A, a need of redemption. We all need redemption. Letter B, the payment of redemption. You see, the truth is, if I mess up in a relationship, the person that I have hurt may give me a chance to go and do something to redeem myself. Hey, on a smaller note, when I'm unkind to my wife or I'm cross with my children or I'm grouchy and I want to redeem that situation, I might load the family into the car and take them to their family a favorite restaurant and redeem myself. By buying them their favorite meal. Like, uh, but there are, there are some debts where we cannot redeem ourselves. There are some debts where we need outside help. And such is the case with God. You see, our sin piles up day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year. And the truth is, the very first sin we committed was so horrible to our God that He outright rejected us because our sin was a choice to reject Him. God looked down on earth and He was hurt over our sin, but then He came up with a plan of redemption. That plan of redemption was to send someone who had never sinned to pay the price and redeem us. Titus chapter 2, verse 14 says, speaking of Jesus, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity. And purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. What did Jesus do? He redeemed us. How? By giving up himself for us. The payment of redemption involved his death on the cross. His death on the cross. Can you imagine the pain of the cross that day? Where they pulled out his beard. The flogging that he took. Boy, just the, just the hearing of the sound in that video a few minutes ago. Of the whip going across his back is enough to make me cringe. I've put myself through quite a bit of pain in my life. Physical pain by making some bad decisions. I can't imagine... What it was like for him to voluntarily allow himself to be whipped. Boy, Isaiah says they left furrows in his back. They wove a crown of long thorns and they jammed that down in his skull. They put nails in his wrists. Nails in his feet. And then as he died... Usually they'd go around and they'd break the legs so that they could no longer lift themselves up and they'd suffocate and their heart would burst. But as those Roman soldiers made their way to Jesus, they didn't need to break his legs. In fact, in the Old Testament it was prophesied that not one of his bones would be broken. So instead of breaking his legs, they took a spear. They ran that into his side and The Bible tells us that blood and water mingled, poured out together. That was a sign that Jesus literally died of a broken heart. He died of a broken heart. Our sin, instead of crushing us, it crushed Him. How arrogant we are sometimes to question the power of the cross how arrogant we are sometimes to question God's love for mankind and say well what about this group of people and what about that group of people my friend Jesus gave up his life he died he suffered the wrath of God in your place and in my place it's time to set aside about what other people uh, 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 or who else uh, could receive or did receive it's time to look ourselves in the mirror and say Jesus Died for me! What am I going to do with His death for me? Ephesians 1, 7 In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Number one, on the cross. Number two, for our sin. For our sin. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, it says, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, He died in our place. He died because we are sinners. Verse 9, "...much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him." How are we saved? We're saved from God's wrath. Why? Because Jesus stepped between God's wrath and our sin. He endured the wrath of God on the cross. He shed His blood for our sins. Romans 5 verse 8 says that while we were yet sinners, what that literally means is that while Jesus was hanging on the cross, He looked ahead in time. He saw us on that cross. He saw our lives. He swept together our sins from our birth date to our death date into a pile. He brought them back. He put them on Jesus. And Jesus suffered in my place. He suffered in your place. The significance of this sacrifice is that it was made by God in the flesh. You see, Jesus became one of us to die for us. Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, Hebrews tells us, yet without sin. He never did wrong. My friend, I can't die for you. I can't die in your place. I can't suffer God's wrath on your behalf. I can't go to a cross for you because I have my own sin. But Jesus hung on that cross sinless. And because of that, he was allowed to be the substitute. Titus chapter 2 verse 13 says this, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. It is wonderful to know that Jesus is our Redeemer. But the great things about the gospel is what we celebrate Today, Point number one of the message, Jesus is our Redeemer. Point number two, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. You see, in his death, he took away our sins. And in his resurrection, he gathered about the power to forgive us of those sins. Letter A, notice, he has conquered death. He has conquered death. Revelation chapter 1 verse 18 says this, I, Jesus is speaking here, am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Uh, Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. He stood up from the grave, He took the keys away from death and hell, and He holds the power over death and hell. He has conquered death. Do you know anyone that was died and buried? Boy, unless you're just a small child, I think we all know those who have died uh, and, and been buried. Henry Morris said this, he said, The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the crowning proof of Christianity. If the resurrection did not take place, then Christianity is a false religion. If it did take place, then Christ is God and the Christian faith is absolute truth we uh, occasionally i'll I'll go to the store I'll uh, and I'll buy things and Walmart has been doing this a little bit more lately but uh, warehouses such as Costco or Sam's Club or BJ's for years will check your receipt on the way out the door and uh, they do that to curb theft and they make you prove uh, what you have bought. And I like to mess with those guys sometimes and, and in a joking way have a good time at their expense. One day I was pushing a cart out to the church. This was in another uh, church ministry I was a part of. I was the children's pastor and leading up to an Easter Sunday we have just bought loads of candy. We were doing a candy toss for the kids and I had a cart full and overflowing with bags of candy and I pushed that up there and I handed my long receipt there to the uh, gentleman at the uh, BJ's on the way out. And I said to him, I said, something here I did not pay for. And and he was a Barney Fife type. And he took that receipt. And, I mean, he went to town. And he's checking everything out. And he said, well, if there's something here you haven't bought, I can't find it. And I looked at him and I said, well, I didn't pay for the cart. And he just rolled his eyes and handed me I said, I put the check mark on there. Get out of here, you clown. What is a receipt? A receipt is proof. That you paid for the item. A receipt is proof that payment has been made. You know, that's what Jesus' resurrection is. It's the receipt. It's the proof that the payment is made. It's the proof that death and sin no longer have power over us. Jesus cried out on the cross right before He died. He said, Tetelestai, or it is finished, or... Paid in full, and then he rose from the dead, and an empty tomb is a receipt on our behalf. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up. Into glory. Uh, so we look at letter A. He has conquered death. Letter B. He offers eternal life. He offers eternal life. First Corinthians chapter 15. Pastor Morales uh, read the first nine verses for us during the life group hour just a few minutes ago. Look with me at verse number 20. The Bible says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the fruits of them that slept for since by man came death. By man came also the resurrection of the dead. Listen to verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Boy, the first Adam brought death. Jesus, the second Adam, brings life. Uh, The first Adam died never to be resurrected. The second Adam died to resurrect three days later. Sometimes religion is just a fashionable substitute for relief or, or for belief. Sometimes religion uh, is what people put their faith in, in order to gain eternal life. And I'll just say this, uh, and, and I'm going to talk more about this this evening uh, as we look at First John 4. But Satan has done a masterful job Wrapping religion around Jesus and getting people to worship the religion around Jesus instead of the Jesus of the religion. There's a world full of people who believe in their church. But they don't exclusively believe in the Christ of that church. Boy, I believe there are people who will get to heaven and expect God to let them into heaven based based on the fact that they attended a Baptist church their whole life. My friend, being a Baptist is not going to get you into heaven. But hear me, neither will being a Catholic. God does not care about your denomination. He cares about your faith in Christ. He wants to know that your faith alone is in Christ. Some people have a hard time with this. Some people are depending on their religion to get them in heaven. The thought of turning my back or turning my uh, belief system away from what I've been told my whole life and putting it in Jesus, how could I do that? My friend, it just requires a childlike faith. Notice that Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way. He didn't say the Baptist church is the way. He didn't say the Catholic church is the way. Jesus said, I am the way. Later on in the verse, he says, no man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Your faith must be in the resurrected Christ. Being religious does not guarantee a relationship with Christ. John chapter 10, verse 28 says, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. It's Jesus who gives that eternal life and that eternal life is forever. Why is Jesus able to give us eternal life? Because he is the resurrection and the life. John 11, 25, Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Anyone that believes, anyone that believes shall live again. A stewardess during pre-flight, pre-flight instructions on oxygen masks said this. She said, in the event of a sudden loss of cabin pressure, masks will descend from the ceiling. Stop screaming, grab the mask, and pull it over your face. If you have a small child traveling with you, secure your mask before assisting with theirs. If you are traveling with more than one children, then pick your favorite. John chapter 6 verse 40 says this, And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Aren't you glad that God doesn't have to choose favorites? Aren't you glad that God offers salvation freely to all? Boy, the oxygen mask of eternal life is not just available to the elite that God chooses. No, my friend, Jesus died for you, and He loves you. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank or how much you owe in debt. It does not matter uh, what color your skin is. It does not matter where you live. I saw a few minutes ago that someone is watching the service from Trinidad. You could be on any uh, corner of the globe watching this service right now. Jesus loves you just the same. He Offers eternal life. Someone said that the the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Many of you know the name Harry Houdini. Harry Houdini died in October of 1926. Houdini is still one of the most famous magicians ever. With his uh, his specialty uh, being spectacular escapes, in his shows they would seal him in coffins, he would escape. They riveted him into a boiler. He escaped. They sewed him in a canvas bag. He escaped. They locked him in a milk can. He escaped. They sealed him in a barrel. He escaped. Once, he even was locked in a maximum security prison and Houdini still got out. But then in October of 1926, death laid his hands upon Harry Houdini and put him in a grave. And he has yet to escape that grave. Houdini told his wife before he died, he said, If there is any way out, I will find it. And I'll contact you on the anniversary of my death. For ten years, she kept a light burning over his portrait. At the end of ten years, she turned out the light. Death had Harry, and he couldn't escape. You can personally know that you have eternal life. You say, Pastor... Can I escape death? Oh, my friend, you cannot escape the death of the grave, but you can escape the death of hell. While you might physically die, God offers to you eternal life for your soul. You say, Pastor, I want that redemption that Christ offers me. I want that gift of eternal life that Jesus uh, bought when He resurrected from the dead. If He holds the keys to death and hell, then I want Him to unlock my heart and give me the gift of eternal life. Pastor, how do I get that gift? 1 John chapter 5, verse 12 and 13 says this, He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. How do you get that gift? You must simply believe. Meet Richard Liggett. Richard Liggett served a life sentence for murder. While in prison, he accepted Christ as Savior. As many of you know, those who land in prison are given work to do, and they're paid a very small amount to do that work while in prison. Many of your license plates, license plates in most states, are made by those in prison. Mr. Liggett did not make license plates, but rather caskets. He built the caskets for Billy and Ruth Graham while serving time in the Louisiana State Penitentiary better known as Angola Billy Graham's casket now every picture of that simple pine box carries the carries the message that no matter who you are or what you've done God's eternal love and forgiveness are available to all you see on that casket the name of the builder is carved. Whose name is engraved on it? The man who was put in prison for murder. You see, Billy Graham and Richard Liggett lived two very different lives on earth. For those of you that don't know Billy Graham, he was a preacher. Millions of people were saved because of his ministry. Billy Graham lived an outstanding life. Richard Liggett, not so much. But both Richard Liggett and Billy Graham sit at the feet of of Jesus and are saved by his blood. To be redeemed is to be saved from the penalty of sin. You say, Pastor, how may I be redeemed from my sin? Romans chapter 10 verse 9 spells that out very clearly. It says this, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I remember as a little boy, I'd watch as the secular world would celebrate Christmas. Christmas and then Easter, was often left wondering why people could live so godless 363 days a year and be so religious two days of the year. If Jesus really did raise from the dead, he really is God, and he really can save me. Boy, why wouldn't that change my life? You say, Pastor Lejeune, how does it begin to change my life? The East, Easter cannot just be a day where we pass around chocolate, have our kids hunt for eggs. Easter cannot just be a day uh, where we uh, celebrate secularly a holiday. Easter must be a day where you understand Jesus rose from the dead for you. He rose from the dead to give you eternal life. He is the resurrection and the life. How do you do that? How do you receive Christ? Well, Romans 10.9 says there's two, two body parts involved, two actions involved. We must confess with our mouth, and we must believe in our hearts. Let me make it more personal. You must confess with your mouth. You must believe in your heart. What? That Christ has risen from the dead. Salvation is not something you achieve. It is something you believe. Will you lay aside your good works? Will you lay aside your religiosity? And will you accept Christ today? Will you allow him to be your entry point into heaven? Will you humble your heart? And will you receive that gift this Easter morning? What pastors all over America seek to find a new way to preach the same old truth. Easter simple. Jesus left heaven. Deity wrapped itself in flesh. He lived amongst us. He died for us. He rose from the dead. He offers you the gift of eternal life. I finished with this illustration. If I were to come to your house on your birthday. And I were to bring you a gift. And I were to knock on your door. And you were to answer that door and say, oh, it's Pastor Lejeune from White Oak Baptist Church. You see that big, that nice box I have that's wrapped with a bow on it. And I you say, here, it's your birthday. I brought you something. My friend, you have two choices. You can receive it or reject it. You can take it or leave it. I bought the gift. I went to the store. I pulled out my wallet and I paid for it with money I had earned. And I took it and I took the time and I put it in a box and I wrapped it up and I wrote your name on it and I brought it to you. You can't pay me for it. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do except simply receive it. But the choice is yours. You have to believe that I care enough for you that I got the gift for you. You have to believe that I'm offering it to you. You have to believe uh, that there are no strings attached. You have to believe that I'm not going to hit you over the head later uh, with, don't you remember when I gave you that gift? You have to believe that I have your best interest in mind, and all you must do is extend your hand and receive it. My friend, Jesus gave His life as the payment for your sin. He rose from the dead. He extends the gift of eternal life, and he says, You have two choices. By faith, you can receive it, or by doubt, you can reject it. What will it be for you today? That gift can't be achieved. It can only be received. And you receive it by faith. Are you ready to confess with your mouth? Are you ready to believe in your heart? Right there where you are, if you would like to receive that gift of eternal life, would you do this? Would you just bow your head right where you are? You don't need to be in a church building. You can be at home. You can be in your car. Well, you can be in the United States. You can be in Trinidad. You can be in China. You can be anywhere. Well, God doesn't care about your location. He cares about your heart right where you are, will you just bow your head? Will you just repeat this prayer after me and receive the gift of eternal life? Just say, dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that my sin caused you to come to earth and die a cruel death on the cross for me. I understand that the penalty of my sin is death and hell. Jesus, I believe you are who you said you are. Who you say you are. I believe that you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. Give me that gift of eternal life. And take me to heaven when I die. My faith is in you and you alone. In Jesus' name.